Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refule Tobeja. She's a go-getter. What I want to know is, what's the number one criteria you looked for in proposals and requests for funding? Resilient, without a doubt. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you're a leader. Intelligent, most definitely a thinker. She sets the pace. Welcome to yet another edition of Conversations with Pioneers, and I'm your host, Rifilwe Tobeja. And today I'm in conversation with Sibaba Alwesismani. She's the owner and group CEO of Unorthodox Group, which is a PR, media, and sport management company, which focuses on providing their clients with media exposure in Southern Africa, West Africa, and parts of the United Kingdom. Thank you for joining me, Sibaba Alwe, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Refilue. It's really an honor to be on your show. Amazing. Finally, we're here. Um, I usually like to dive right in, so shall we? Yes, we can. Awesome. At which point, Sibabali, did you know that you wanted to work for yourself? Sure. That's always quite a a difficult one because I think growing up, I've never been set on I'm going to work for myself. I sort of, I think, just fell into it. And I think luckily for me, it worked personality skills wise as well. And then I think just the industry that I decided to go into as well, just it it really worked out and it complemented, I think, me as a person more than anything. So it was just very much a test phase. And then I just fell in love with entrepreneurship, really. Why PR? Is that what you studied in varsity? No, I actually studied economics and econometrics. Interesting enough, before I graduated, I worked for a tobacco company where I was actually working in the marketing department. So I think that's where it sparked what we had to do, our deliverables at work were just monitoring people's behaviors and seeing how to influence it. So because Mm. the tobacco industry is not allowed to advertise, so they do a lot of monitoring and they're just studying people's habits, which is quite close to PR. So I think I really did enjoy that work and also just working with quite a lot of people and different groups of people. After my nine-month contract, I then worked for a film and television company in the sales department as well. And then while I was working at that company, we then got our very first client. And that client referred us to other clients and other clients. And here we are almost eight years later. Amazing. Because I was going to ask you to share with us a little bit of your startup story. Because, you know, every company has a startup story. When, how, why, and with who. That's an interesting start right there. And who are your typical clients? Um, We've evolved over the years, but we basically work with businesses um, on the PR side more than anything. So the Mm -hmm. company is uh, separated into two. It's an orthodox group uh, that houses PR and sport, but it's actually two different entities. So on the public relations side, we focus on businesses, small and large. 
and yeah, just depending on what the business's needs are when it comes to PR, that's that side. On the sports side, it's a slightly different in that we manage uh, professional athletes on that side. So we still provide the PR work, but with then managing professional athletes, we go the extra mile of sourcing them endorsement deals. Also, what we then tend to do is that we help them plan for retirement. They've got such a short career that we make sure we maximize while they are still professional athletes now that they have something to build up to by the time they're retired. So that's just how those two companies are split. That's fantastic. And how big is your team? Sure. <laughs> the, the, the definition of team, I think, has also changed a lot to the pandemic, but we've always had our, our own way of working. I would say mm. about five uh, mm-hmm. None of them are permanent employees, though. Uh, we use a lot of freelancers and we outsource a lot of work, which I think helps us quite a bit. Yeah, sure, for sure. Unorthodox is believed to be taking a pioneering approach to industry positioning. Please talk to us about this. Well, I think being exposed to some of the markets that you had mentioned earlier, um, you know, we have a reach in SADC, we have a reach in, in West Africa, UK and the US. We've been influenced, I think, a lot by those markets as well. The PR climate in, in South Africa currently is really not that exciting. The people at fault are both the PR specialists and also companies. So in South Africa, we still have very conservative companies that, you know, you, you would suggest great ideas for the PR. You want to almost keep up with the developed countries, but there's still a, a bit of a, a hesitation. So also with PR companies as well, I feel as though um, a lot of PR companies do a one-size-fits-all approach. We tailor-make a lot of our solutions for our clients, uh, let me put it that way. And we actually go with our name. And Orthodox, we do a lot of things uh, that are not done by the PR companies. And we just always want to make sure that our clients don't feel as though they have just got another PR company. We try as much as we can to make it very unique and special to them, whatever um, solution that is that we provide. Unique and special. I like that. What's the secret sauce? You're not sharing the secret sauce. <laughs> it's okay, girl. I get you. I get you. But now, as an entrepreneur, what has been your biggest challenge yet and how did you overcome it? Sure. Multiple challenges. Hey, oh, I think definitely being um, a young person in business, uh, mm. Black and female. That's slap. <laughs> it's an everyday struggle. Um, hmm. I would like to. Entrepreneurship, I think, for anyone is hard, no matter the race or gender. It's just something that's very hard because you have to motivate yourself every day. Especially initially, it's you get rejected so many times. But once you change your perspective, I think, on rejection and you just fix your mind, then you can really can go a long way. So it's just those general issues that are not gender or race specific or age specific. But then now being a black person in our country, well, just being a black person in the world, it, it is very much a disadvantage in entrepreneurship. And then now you're a woman. <laughs> that mm. is also another disadvantage. And then you're also young. So <laughs> it's quite a lot. I mean, I've been in business for the PR company is turning eight years in October. The sports company is turning two. But, you know, you, you still just never get over it. And I think mm. now that into sports as well, which is very heavily male-dominated. Those factors are still there, and it's possibly even worse on the sports side because on a day-to-day, it's dealing with a lot of males. Yeah. Why sports, though? I mean, it could have been maybe an events wing, an, an artist management wing, a casting, whatever, but you chose sport. Why sport? Sport has a very interesting value chain that has not been explored enough. 
So number one, I mean, I love money. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> so it's always about look at the numbers. There is a lot of money in sports. The growth is faster than the global GDP. Hmm. So, I mean, just looking at that, it's a, it's, a, it's definitely an industry you want to be in, number one. Value chain of sports is just, it's not explored enough. When people think about sports, they think about people on the field, but there's so much that happens beyond the field, just in the background. There's so much that goes in there and it, it's such an interesting place to be. And if you actually look at the need as well, at, in South Africa, professional athletes are not really represented from a brand perspective. They're only represented from an agent's perspective, but then an agent is very limited. There's hmm. just so much that you can do. And, you know, we see so many of our athletes as well. Once they retire from sport, now we need to be the ones that are, are, are giving them money so that's also another niche that we saw that we can actually assist them with financial management and start their careers after their career while they are still a professional athlete. So it's very lucrative, but it came about by chance. One of the directors now in the company has a friend who was a professional athlete, and he then asked us to step in uh, because I'm in PR. That gained quite a lot of momentum and interest from his teammates as well. And then we then actually saw the whole full value of venturing into that business. And it's also not too far off from PR as well, because we specialize in corporate PR. So we don't really do anything in, in the entertainment side. We're not that comfortable there. So it's mm. mostly very corporate, uh, very business on that side. So there's actually quite a good synergy between sport and businesses. I mean, you've seen advertising. You've seen how they brand stadiums. It's normally your corporates. It's your larger corporates. So there is that synergy between the two companies. It doesn't seem like we're running two separate entities. There's actually quite a beautiful synergy between the two. Totally agree. Incredible. And how did COVID and the lockdown affect you? So, uh, I mean, being at home was very frustrating because also with uh, PR, you know, you, you network, you work a lot with people. It's a very social and sociable industry. So I think um, I very much missed that element of it as well because it's very well suited to my personality. So it was that it was just figuring out new ways to work. But I think more than anything, it stretched us so much because we actually did. We had a client who wanted us to do a virtual launch. And, you know, we had never done a virtual launch, but it was actually so successful. We even had a performance. So it's, it's something that you would normally find in an in-person launch. So we expanded our skill set, I think, in that sense. We challenged ourselves. But I think it was also a good time for the communications industry because I think that's when people realize how important communication is. We were affected. We had to be agile and flexible and change quite a bit. But when it actually comes to business, I think we actually did pretty well by the grace of God, actually. Well done. Well done. So many people see a lack of funding as an obstacle. But when you first embarked on your own entrepreneurial journey with Unorthodox, you self-funded and worked within the confines of your finances. Would you like to break that down for us? Oh, yeah, we were very much self-funded. But initially, we did reach out. We did want some sort of funding just to have working capital to be able to pay for salaries. Because at that point, you actually do need quite a lot of people to come and assist. So you can focus on what you need to do, which is uh, getting business. But there's a, a huge problem in South Africa when it comes to funding. You know, they treat startups as if it's a bigger company. The things that are required, I remember at some point they had asked us for audited financials. How is a startup supposed to afford an auditor? There's so many flaws in the, the funding, in how funding is done and put together in South Africa, where it, it actually needs to be tailor-made to companies. And, you know, our, our president recently gave a speech about how small businesses uh, need to be empowered. 
I would think that that's the first place that they need to start because a lot of people fail, not because they're not good at the services or there isn't a need for the services or the products that they put out in the market, but it's literally cash flow. So we were in a very unique position where our very first client referred us to other clients and that's how we were able to um, have cash flow and sustain ourselves. But that's not always the case. On average, an entrepreneur has to be pitching to about 10 possible clients in a week if you're not going to get additional funding. And that is strenuous. And while you're also pitching, you're also doing other people's job. You're basically wearing 10 hats at any given point in time, which would be assisted if funding was an issue, but it, it, it really is an issue. And it's an issue that needs to be addressed because there's so many people with great and innovative ideas, but funding is a, a big thing and access to markets as well is quite the hurdle. Mm, 100%. What business motto has carried you throughout your, your journey and what kind of mindset must one employ to do what you do and do it well? Um, Rafila, I think I'm a bit crazy <laughs> in the sense that our business motto is that nothing is impossible. Everything is within reach that you want i think also just a mindset of it's everything is about perspective you know life is not black and white unfortunately the only thing that's certain what's the famous saying the only thing that's certain is death and taxes opportunities avail themselves but if if your mindset is in the right place also it's just how you view rejection i was actually having a conversation yesterday with friends saying that rejection is a lesson you know we used to get rejected i think all the time in in the first two to three years and then we changed our mindset to then say to go back and ask why did you reject us so that we make sure we learn from every rejection that we encounter so i think it's just that kind of mindset and impossible is is literally nothing there's nothing that we can't do amazing i like that as someone in pr how do you deal with demanding and unrealistic clients sure I think just putting your foot down <laughs> because clients can be very demanding, but setting the boundaries and just creating realistic expectations, you know, I think initially, and which is a problem for a lot of startups is that you want to please the client so much that you say you can do everything. And then when you now can't deliver on what you've promised, that client then goes away. And the thing is with business, it's very much relationship orientated. And it's also about your track record because clients do speak. That's how they refer you to other clients and other clients if you do a good job for them. So I think startups and, and initially we had also, you know, put ourselves in, in that position where we just say, yes, we can achieve everything. And now you get in trouble with client. I mean, they can be ridiculous and say they demands, but we need to limit them and also manage expectations. So by putting our foot down it, when that actually starts so that client knows that this is what you are going to do and what you're not going to do. And then you're able to then have a better relationship with the client. You retain the client for longer, but you need to be as stern as they are being what they demand as well. Mm. As somebody who didn't study PR or communication or media or anything like that, I mean, you did economics and accounting. Mm. How, how did you... How did you educate yourself to understand the industry and what it requires? Sure. I think just a lot of research. We we did a lot of research and initially we, we strengthened our networks. Mm. We networked for days because there's also so much um, knowledge you can gain from people. So I think we just had the right people in our corner. We were asking all the right questions until we figured out how the PR and media landscape actually works. It's a dynamic one. PR is very dynamic. You know, you need to be researching every single day because media changes in like 30 or 20 minutes so it's just it's constant learning but uh, we did a lot of research into the industry um, and I think we just also still constantly learn uh, we see what people in other countries are doing we always just 
looking at other PR companies, what are they doing? And we just want to make ourselves better all the time. But yeah, I would say research, research that we still do till this day. Mm. If someone is listening to us right now and they want to start a business or want to work for themselves, but the nine to five situation is holding them back, what would you say to them? Um, You can definitely. Business and success in life in general is all about sacrifice, I believe. So mm. how much are you actually willing to sacrifice? So you can stay in your, your nine to five. I mean, I know I didn't take that path. You can stay in your nine to five and build up your company in your spare time. You'd obviously have to sacrifice a lot of time. And I can only imagine if someone has a family as well and has kids, it's not going to be the easiest of things. But if you are wanting to stay in your nine to five, you can, but it's just about sacrificing the time. And then also possibly then not to have too much load on you is maybe having a partner who has flexible times or a, a business partner that you can also share work with looking at that as well or building up a team as quickly Mm. as you can if you are still staying in your nine to five and then either keep it that way or make the jump to your business if your business is doing really well but I would say that someone has to have a very deep conversation. It's it's not something, business is not something that you jump into lightly. It is difficult. It is hard. It requires a lot and it doesn't switch off. Business is 24-7. I mean, I've even dreamt about clients <laughs> while sleeping. You know, it's, it's the first thing you think about. There are people that are relying on you that have to also be paid retainers. There are clients' expectations that you have to meet because now you've handled this client's money and you need to be accountable for it. So I think before anyone even thinks about jumping into business, they actually need to have those real conversations because, you know, entrepreneurship is also spoken about very lightly. And you see quite a lot of entrepreneurs actually show only the good side of it, which is, I guess, it's humans in general. But it is very, very hard and it's mentally taxing. So staying in a nine to five possibly is not a bad idea. Uh, because you have that constant of a salary. And then once things look consistent on the business side, then maybe you can make the jump. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, you formed part of the Breaking Down Borders Africa Initiative, which was a pan-African platform led by African youth for African youth. How was that? What was your role in that? So our role in that is that we came in from a communications and a public relations partner. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It's actually a, quite an amazing initiative, and I think it's the only initiative of its kind currently happening in the continent where young people from all over the continent get to gather and conference for one week in, in Johannesburg. The last in-person one that we had was actually so amazing, and it's just... Again, it also fits into what we're about as a company, always wanting to see what's going on in the world and not just limiting ourselves to South Africa. So we came as a communications and PR partner in that sense. So we just brought a lot of media awareness and media attention around it because people had to apply to be part of the program. So we had to make sure that as many youth in Africa know about it. But then also while the conferencing is taking place, we were just creating a lot of media hype around it because very important conversations were had. You know, So you get uh, young people from different industries. One was entrepreneurship, one was social entrepreneurship, and one was, I think, youth in government and the public sector. Um, It still is continuing, but because of COVID, a lot of things had to be done virtually. But I think that was actually even better for that because normally people wouldn't be able to get to SA because of how far they are, but now they can just join in virtually. So you're reaching a whole lot more youth and you're not limited by a venue. You can have as many people as you can in your virtual conference. So it really is an amazing um, initiative. Yeah, and the joys of technology there, which is great. So also in 2019, you won a Pink Power Star Award, which is a platform that celebrates women doing exceptionally well in their industries. That's amazing. 
Yes, I was actually, oh, I was very humbled and surprised uh, <laughs> by that because there were so many amazing ladies in the room as well. So I was just like, surely I'm not going to win this thing because people are doing so, so well. But then we did win the award, which which was really great. Um, I often say that, you know, even if you don't win awards, but it's just that people are recognizing your work while you work. So it's just also another, it, it just pushes us to make sure that we're always putting our best foot forward because you never really know who is what watching who can catapult you to another level completely so that was really i think that was humbling for for me and that's just how i took it that we need to always do exceptional work someone is always watching definitely so let's play a little game before i let you go i'm going to say a phrase then please continue with whatever comes to mind when you hear these words (laughs) okay word number one or phrase number one follow up it's funny enough we always say make sure you always follow up with clients very quickly so i I think that's what i was supposed to do or say Mm -hmm. and be consistent (laughs) what does be consistent mean for you be consistent i think in everything that we do we always just try to be consistent i think for us that's that's just how we meet our goals and our deliverables just consistency and the small steps every day basically mm-hmm. and yeah. lastly network uh networking is actually the best currency <laughs> people are the best currency um you know we just as i said earlier we got referred a lot to get our clients so it was through their networks and i think um i did also mention earlier that at the beginning we had to do a lot of research and also network quite a bit that's how we then built the good contacts that we have through our networks so we really do value our networks a lot amazing so where to from here Sibabalwe? it's actually something very exciting that we're launching towards the end of the year in august women's month but it isn't a company it's an ngo that we're launching and it's going to have a specific focus on women i think that's all i can say for now till it launches so my heart has always been um in 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 philanthropy and luckily we've encountered clients that um we've had to work with them on their csi projects so i love the fact that you know my passion meet does meet with work which is amazing so probably yeah the philanthropy route is looking very interesting and we are launching um, an ngo that we know will assist a lot of women in business specifically that is incredible all the best with that and how do we keep in touch with you our socials we do respond uh, our facebook is unorthodox group our instagram is at unorthodox group our Twitter is also an Orthodox group, so it's very, very easy to find us on any platforms. You can also pop us an email, info at unorthodoxgroup.com. We do respond quite quickly. Those are all the channels to get to us. And then I'm sure if you Google intensely enough, you will find my number online as well. <laughs> if you Google intensely enough. Well, <laughs> the sky is the limit and the possibilities are limitless for you, Sibaba Sismani, Group CEO of Unorthodox Group Fly Higher. I wish you all the best, my sister. Thank you so much, Rufile. Thank you so much uh, for having me on your amazing show. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it. We are on all podcast platforms, including Audible Baby. Find me on all my socials at Rufile Tobeja. Join me again next time as we level up, level up with yet another pioneer. Bye. Conversations with Pioneers. Hosted by Refugio Toberra.